to uh, verse 10. That is on page 249, sorry, 250 of the New Testament. That is First uh, Peter uh, chapter 2, beginning from verse 4, up to 10 uh, on page 250 on the New Testament side. Come to him, a living stone. Th- I beg your pardon. Come to him, a living stone. Though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. Unlike living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Martin. So I wonder why we come to church. What is it that makes us come to church? Why do we come to church? There's lots of reasons, I guess, why we all come into church. I mean, if you were um, a young person with one of the children, you probably get brought here by your parents or parents. They haven't got much choice, so uh, they might wish they were somewhere else. But So let's just, for us who come here willingly, voluntarily, Why do we come here to church? What is it that makes us come here? And I think there's lots of reasons, isn't there? There's lots of reasons why we come, all sorts of different reasons. Um, Our strap line probably gives us a few of those reasons. The strap line of our church is... (laughs) It's there somewhere. Uh, it it, It is... It's on here. It's belong, believe, and be out there. So... It's, the first one is belong, because it's something that we want to do as a church. We want to belong. And we often come because we want to meet with friends. We want to share with people. We want to have fellowship with people. And it's good to sort of belong to people, and to be, well, belong to a group of people and sort of feel that part of belonging. So that's one reason why we come, I think. To, uh, it's an important reason why we come. We want to sort of feel part of a group. And um, 
we, um, we had a meeting the other evening with the Bishop of Edmonton, and uh, we, each of us in the PCC, we went around and just said a few words about what, we, what sort of comes to mind when we think of St. Anne's. And one of the things that kept coming up was that it was friendly and that it was warm. And I wasn't quite sure whether warm meant warm in temperature or warm uh, friendliness, but I wasn't quite sure because sometimes it's not warmest place here. But anyway, I think, it's, it, it, I think St. Anne's is a warm and friendly place, isn't it? It's a place where there is friendship and uh, it's welcoming. So, uh, yep, belong was an important thing, important reason why we come to church. But then you can get that sense of belonging if you join a sports club or you join some other activity club or something, uh, interest club. So there must be more to it than that, more to that than just being part of something. And so on, our next part of the strap line is believe. And believe because we believe in Jesus. We believe in the Jesus, uh, we believe in, the, in God, and we want to come together to worship him. We want to come together to learn about him. We want to come together to help us to become uh, better uh, as, as Christians, to strengthen our faith, to pray, and to be supported by everyone. So that's another thing. Believe we come together because we're Christians, and there's something more than that. Some, yeah, be out, there's our third one. You know, we want, as Christians, we uh, are anxious that people out there hear about Jesus Christ. We want to see people's lives changed, and we want to share the love of God in our community. So that's another reason why we're often involved in things that go on here. So, um, belong, believe, be out there. That's some of the things. But it it sort of raises that question about what is church all about? What is church? And um, it's an important question. At the moment, as we are without a vicar, we're at the moment drawing up what's called our parish profile, which is like a document which sort of uh, showcases what's going on here at St. Anne's. It's, um, it, 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 we're sort of putting together the things that go on here. Who are we? What do we do? What drives us? What's our vision? What is God doing here? And it's a sort of document we put together, and we're doing that at the moment. And when uh, the position of the vicar is advertised in January, then prospective vicars will look at this document and say, yeah, wow, this looks a really good place, and Anne's is the place to be. I want to be part of that, and I will apply for that job. So that's part of what the profile is, but it helps us to think about actually what are we doing as a church what is the church and um, one of the things part of that process is next Saturday we'll hear a bit more about that next Saturday we're having a St Anne's Day and it's an opportunity to come together both to um, think about how our strength can be our faith can be strengthened how we can grow as Christians and there'll be opportunities but there's also Opportunities to think about where we're going as a church and the, the qualities of somebody who might uh, we would like to see leading us. So next Saturday, if put it in your diary, we'll hear a bit more about that later on. And in the last couple of weeks, as Keith's already mentioned, we've, got, we've been thinking about church as a body, we've been thinking about church as a family, and today we're thinking about church as a temple. 
our reading that Martin read to us was uh, described in verse 5, describes us as living stones, being built into a spiritual house, or being built into a temple. So Peter has this in mind, of this, this idea of the temple, and we are being built up into the temple. He's drawing on that idea, which for the Jewish people would have been recognizable as an important part of, of the Jewish faith, the temple in a, in a location in Jerusalem, standing on the hill, and that's where people went to, uh, center of their religion, center of the Jewish faith. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, also talks about the church being a temple. In his letter to Corinthians, he says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So there's that idea of we being built up into a temple. So let's just think about some of those ideas. How does that help us? How does the idea of a temple help us to understand what church is all about? But let me start with something that it isn't, first of all. Because church is not really anything to do with our building. So we could, we could sort of stop now, we could stop our service, we could all go over to Chestnuts Park and start our service again, and it would still be church, it would still be valid church. We don't actually need this building. We could go outside and I thought earlier on, yeah, wouldn't it be good if we, sometimes we could do that. We could have a service out there on the grass out here or something. Uh, maybe in the summertime, we might want to do that. But anyway, the church is not a building. So it doesn't matter whether we're here in this building or whether we're outside, whether we're just gathering together. The church is that it's not about the building, because uh, because the because as, as that um, as Paul has said, um, we are the God's temple because God's Spirit lives in us. It's because God lives in us that we are like God's temple. So let's just think of a few things of which the temple helps us to understand church. And the first thing is that Jesus is the cornerstone. So Peter, in that letter, he talks about Jesus being a chosen and precious stone. Chosen and precious as the cornerstone of the building. Now, the cornerstone is, if you know anything about buildings, the cornerstone is that big chunk of stone there, if it's a stone building, that sits in the corner as the sort of foundation point of the building. So you, you need to get that right, because it then from there you get the lines, the, the right angles for the walls are right, you get it level, and then the building is, is built level. So it's an important part of a building. And therefore Peter's talking about Jesus being that cornerstone, and that's where the church is built on. It's not a brick it's not a brick building, it's not a stone building, but it's, it's like the picture is that that's the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? It means that 
the church is based upon the gospel of Jesus. It's based upon Jesus, what he did on the cross and the resurrection. It's based upon the fact that there's nowhere else that salvation comes from. Salvation comes from nothing else except through Jesus Christ. There's no way we can come to God except through Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. That's the cornerstone. So the cornerstone then means that it's not anything to do with a person. So we can't build a church based around a particular person or a particular pastor. It's not a personality cult. It's not the fact that um, you know somebody's a, a great person, therefore we will build a church around that person. It's No, we can't do that. It's got to be based on Jesus Christ. And the fact that at the moment here at St. Anne's, we don't have a vicar, doesn't matter. The church, in some ways it doesn't matter because the church isn't going to collapse because the foundation stone is Jesus and Jesus is still here. And that's an important point, that the church doesn't collapse, even St. Anne's doesn't collapse because our foundation is on Jesus Christ. So that's some of the ideas about Jesus being the cornerstone of the building. And a couple of other things. So this, the next thing is that we meet, it's a place where we meet with God, the church where we meet with God. So thinking back on the temple, there was that temple in Jerusalem and it was a place where people went up to worship God. It was, based on, it was built on a hill. People went up to worship God, to meet with God. And uh, people at the festival times used to come up and meet with God. And I think one of them, uh, the picture of the tent is interesting because I, I looked for a picture of a tent. Going back before they built the temple, centuries before they built the temple, before they got to Jerusalem even, the people of God were out in the desert. Moses was leading them and he said, uh, and uh, he used to take a tent, it says in Exodus 33. He used to take this tent and he put this tent up outside the camp. And I don't, and it probably didn't look anything like this. So don't really take this picture, just ignore this picture, but I just wanted a picture of a tent. But he put this tent up and it says that Moses used to enter the tent and when he did, a pillar of cloud would descend on the tent, which signifies the presence of God, the presence of the Spirit coming down into the tent. And it says that, we're told that um, the Lord would speak with Moses, and the Lord would speak with Moses face to face, as if to a friend. So there's that idea of coming into tent of meeting or coming into the temple or coming or being part of a church when we meet with God and we meet face to face with God or we don't we may not meet face to face with God on this earth in this life but we can meet with God who speaks to us like a friend now okay yeah we can meet with God on our own when we pray to God on our own yeah we're meeting with God we can pray we can meet with God when uh, on our own but I think there's something a slight a, a higher level there's something more something deeper when we come together as a church to worship God 
and to meet with God as a, as a church family, as a, as a church group. And it's God can speak to us as friends. He speaks to us as a, a church. He speaks to us in a deeper way, I think. And um, he, he can speak to us collectively and individually. And I think that's important as we come together to meet with God. Uh, but, and that can be even small group. You know, like two or three are gathered together. Jesus says, I am there with them. Come together to pray, and I am there with them. So even in a small group, it's still church, because even if it's in someone's home or walking down the street, if we're there together, it's still church. Jesus is there in the midst of us, because Jesus lives with us. So meeting with God's an important part of uh, what church is all about, what church is. And today we're coming to communion, and I think it's a great opportunity to be able to sort of to, to, to come to God and to meet with God in a, uh, a deeper way. It's an opportunity to op be open with God and to hear God speaking to us as we come to communion later on. So, okay, so there's Jesus, the cornerstone, place of the church is we meet with God. Not in a building, but in a place where we, uh, we can meet with God. And the third thing I was just going to bring out was the fact that the sins are dealt with. The problem with meeting with God is that our sins get in the way, and we do things, we upset God, we do things wrong, and that breaks that relationship. There's a barrier between us and God. The relationship between us and God is broken, and there is a barrier there. So, part of the temple, the worship of the temple, involved dealing with those sins. And what happened was you had a priest and you had some sacrifices because blood had to be shed. And in the Old Testament times, it was the blood of animals that was shed. They were sacrificed and other things, uh, grain and stuff was burned. And there were things that were sacrificed to deal with those sins. So where blood was shed, God turned away his anger from the people and that relationship could be restored. That's why it's atonement, that word atonement. And some people, it's a bit of a funny word, but some people can think of it, or we sometimes think of it as at one because God turns away his anger at what we have done and that relationship is restored. Now the thing about the Old Testament was, as we probably know, there was the priest he went into this center of the temple, the most holy place. He went there on his own, and that's where the blood was, was offered, the sacrifice was made. And it was like the most holy place is where the presence of God was, but nobody else could go in there. There was a curtain that stopped us going in. And that person, the priest, was the only person allowed in there, otherwise... The rest of us went in there, we would die. So there we have that picture of 
the sacrifice being made, but by a priest who's like a sort of interface or an intermediary between God and the rest of the people. And that's where, that's the sort of thing that happened in the temple. So everybody else had to stay outside and rely on that fact that that was going on. But with Jesus, those things have changed. So for Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus' death once and for all was enough for God to turn away his anger. So Jesus is the one who goes into the presence of God and says to God, look, I have died for these people. My blood has been shed. And Jesus is, is the intermediary, the interface between us and God because he's, he, he, he speaks on our behalf and says, look, I have died for you and these people I have died for. So remember when, but remember when Jesus died, you remember the story, he died. At that moment, that, that curtain on the temple, that most holy place, was just torn down and ripped apart which signifies that actually we can all now go into that place where God is. We can now all go in and meet with God. And the sin, there is a, the sin can be dealt with through Jesus Christ. So in, in one sense, we don't actually need a priest because as Peter's just said, you are a royal priesthood. You are not, it's not just a sort of special group of people with a dog collar who could uh, offer um, sacrifices, That's, that idea is out the window. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> people with dog collars are great. Yeah, I'm not uh, saying we shouldn't have people with dog collars, but <laughs> yes. Um, we, but what their role is, is not to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And I think that we can all enter that uh, enter into that relationship with God we can also come and we can all come and meet with God uh, as a church as individuals and as a, as a church but I mean but we need priests to do lots of other things there's leadership and there's spiritual perception I think and so knowing where we should be going as a church so let me just try and sum that up because then we can move on because we thought about Jesus being the cornerstone, but it's not a building, and we can meet wherever we want. I've just seen Moses come in as a member of the Church of the Hut. Yeah, some, we meet at the Hut, a uh, community building over on the Tiverton Estate. That's church, and uh, that's just as valid church. It's a building, but it's just an ordinary hut, so it's valid church. So Jesus is the cornerstone. The temple gives us an idea of it's a place where we meet with God. And the temple gives us an idea that those sins are dealt with. So now we can come in to the presence of God. I think it's greatly summed up by those verses 9 and 10. Let me read them. And then we can just dwell on those for a bit. So Peter says this in verses 9 and 10 of that reading. 
You are a chosen race. Chosen because he loves us and he has chosen us. You are a royal priesthood. We can come into the presence of God, into the, into the, the royal priesthood, the royal presence. King, we can come into his presence. We are a holy nation. We're different. We're set apart. We are God's own people. And in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what we're going to do is we'll just have some quiet time and we'll just think about some of those thoughts. And then we'll sing a song, we'll go straight into a song, and then we'll have communion together. But I think with the communion, it's an opportunity for us to come into his presence, maybe in a, in a deeper way. Maybe it's an opportunity to say, let's be open to him speaking to us. Let's be open to him speaking to us in a deeper way. Let's be open to meeting with God. And it's just as the people of Israel walked up to the temple to worship him and to worship God and to meet with him. So we, as we come forward for communion, it's like we come with open hearts, with open hands, and wanting to meet with God and wanting to enjoy his presence, to listen to him, to speak to us. And let's just be quiet because there may be things that sometimes stop us coming into that deeper relationship with God. Sometimes, although God has removed the curtain, sometimes then we put our own curtains back up to stop us. So it may be that, you know, we're not sure that God's forgiven us. Maybe we think... How can God forgive us? How can God possibly forgive all that I do wrong? But we've just read, once you did not, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Sometimes we're afraid, maybe. We've come to, into the presence of God because we think he's going to be angry with us. No, you are a chosen people. We are chosen because he loves us. We're chosen because he wants us to come to him. Maybe there are things like in our lives that we worry about, we are anxious about, we're thinking about tomorrow, we're thinking about what this week is all about. There are things that we want that take our focus away. But let's bring those to God now say let's just bring them to him to deal with let's bring them to him to worry about to deal with and we can come with open hands and receive what God wants to give us this morning to hear those words speaking to us of how much he loves us how much he has done for us how much the cost it was that Jesus died for us so we can
dwell on those words and come into his presence.